Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We've got a lot on the program today. Jose Chito Vela is a politician down in Austin, Texas, and he's talking about how Austin, the city of Austin specifically, is trying to fight back against Texas's abortion ban. This is fascinating. You're going to want to hear this conversation. And also in Idaho, the Republican Party has just taken the official position, they all voted for this, the official position that if a woman's life is in danger, and that means that you abort a fetus, no, we'll pick the fetus over the woman's life. Seriously. No more exceptions for women's lives. I'll tell you about that. So a lot to cover here. Also, Ron Johnson, (laughs) the the right-wing Republican seditionist senator from Wisconsin who was all in with Donald Trump on his plot uh, from all the evidence that I've, from what I've seen. I can't offer you proof on this, but, you know, it it certainly appears that way, shall we say, has come out and he said, I'm fully supportive of what the Supreme Court did. I obviously confirmed the justices that handed down that correct decision. He's talking about Dobbs, the the striking down of Roe v. Wade. Right. And why should we have women? Ron Johnson offers an explanation. Women can get pregnant, and therefore we can populate the earth. Jeez. Okay, in this context, this whole Roe v. Wade context, Kansas, uh, Judd Legum is writing about this in his newsletter, popular.info. And in Kansas, abortion is still legal. The Kansas Constitution has a section, section one, and it protects, quote, every person's right to personal autonomy, end quote. And this uh, right enables women to make decisions regarding your body, health, family formation, and family life, including the decision to continue a pregnancy. I'm not quoting from the Constitution. I'm, I'm quoting from a 2019 Kansas Supreme Court ruling. So let me read the whole thing. This is verbatim from the court ruling, the Kansas Supreme Court. Quote, 
The Kansas Constitutional Bill of Rights protects a woman's access to abortion. Section 1 of the Kansas Constitution Bill of Rights protects every person's right to personal autonomy, and this right enables a woman to make decisions regarding her body, health, family formation, and family life, including the decision whether to continue a pregnancy. Now, Kansas is surrounded by a bunch of other Republican-controlled states, specifically Texas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. And all of those states have now banned abortion. So abortion numbers in Kansas are spiking right now. And as you might have imagined, uh, because can, you can't just pass a law in Kansas if their state Supreme Court says that the Constitution protects the right of abortion, you can't just pass a law. You've got to amend the Constitution. So on August 2nd, the citizens of Kansas are going to vote on amending their Constitution. It's called Measure 5003, 5003, and it would, quote, amend the Bill of Rights to the Constitution of the state of Kansas to state that, quote, there is no constitutional right to abortion, end quote. Now, the Republicans have a plan to get this pushed through, and their plan essentially is don't put this in a general election. They're not going to vote on this in November. They're going to vote on this next month, in a couple of weeks. And the reason why is because that's a primary. And in Kansas, there are, let me find my numbers here, there are 851,000 registered Republicans and only 495,000 registered Democrats. So assuming, and independents, there's a bunch of independents in Kansas, uh, some 500,000, but they can't vote in primaries. So basically you've got 400 and change, 400,000 Democrats, almost 500,000 Democrats who are going to be voting in the Democratic primary, although the Republican primary is far more consequential because typically whoever gets elected in the primary ends up winning the general election because there are 800, 851,000 Republicans. So most of the voters in the primary election are going to be Republicans. It's going to be real interesting to see if Republicans vote to outlaw Kansas, uh, outlaw abortion in Kansas. And we will know that, I believe it's August 2nd. Yeah, it's August 2nd is the primary election. So that's the strategy. But who are the players? Only 4% of the money that has been raised to, to uh, uh, litigate this, as it were, only 4% of that money has come from your average Kansas citizen. By the way, 62% of Kansas voters want abortion to remain legal in Kansas, according to a, a very recent poll, 62%. But again, they're going to put it on the primary ballot where it's going to be, you know, probably 70% of the voters are going to be Republicans. So only 4%, fewer than 4% of all donations to the various political action committees on both sides of the abortion issue came from average Kansans. So where are, where's all the rest of the money coming from? Well, it turns out that the Archdiocese of Kansas City, the Catholic Church, donated $500,000, and the Catholic Diocese of Wichita donated $250,000, and this was last year before the Dobbs decision and before this was an issue. This year, we do not yet know how much money the Catholic, the, these various Catholic archdioceses have uh, donated because the numbers, you know, they haven't had to release their numbers yet. So we won't find that out until after the election. 
But I think it's safe to assume it's going to be a substantial amount of cash. In the, in the uh, Kansas governor right now is a, both a Democrat and a woman, Laura Kelly, which is an interesting thing. What this tells you, when your governor is a Democrat and, and your legislature, your House and Senate are both controlled by Republicans, what that tells you is that the majority of people in the state are actually voting Democratic. But because of gerrymandering, the Republicans are holding on to power in Kansas which raises the possibility that this abortion issue might be the thing that pushes Republicans out of power come November. But back to the abortion issue in the Catholic Church. Uh, the headline at Judd Legum's piece over at popular.info, Catholic Church spending big on anti-abortion constitutional amendment in Kansas. The Catholic Church has this money because you and I, or specifically the citizens of Kansas, are paying for their fire service, are paying for their police service, are paying for the roads so that their parishioners can come to services, are paying for, you know, basically all of the infrastructure that allows them to continue passing around the collection plate and collecting money that they then throw into this political, into this political scrum. Now, I get it, you know, the, the IRS has ruled that nonprofit money in elections is bad, it's outlawed, although they, they haven't enforced this since Reagan, but it's outlawed if you are giving money to a candidate. But if you're giving money for an issue, that's not against the law or against the IRS rules. So I get it that what the Catholic Church is doing here is legal. But the question that I have is why is it legal? Why is it that the largest and richest church in the world is allowed to, in a big way, throw a whole pile of money into altering the laws of the United States? What happened to the separation of church and state? And, and, and you know, to, to be fair here, it's not just the Catholic Church. Obviously, the, the white, racist, evangelical movement in the United States is also anti-abortion, and that goes back to 1979 when the, the Falwell movement and his buddies were starting whites-only Christian schools because, you know, as a consequence of the Brown decision, Brown versus Board of Education, and it really wasn't catching on with the voters. I mean, it was giving them a lot of money. They could run these schools, they could make money doing it, you know, and all that kind of thing. But they had to figure out an issue, and keep in mind, in 1979, the official position of the Baptists and of most of your white evangelical churches was that they were pro-choice, right up until 1979. And then there was this meeting where they were like, okay, we've got to come up with an issue that we can you know, run on, and this was in collaboration with the Reagan campaign. Reagan, keep in mind, signed the most liberal abortion law in the country as governor of California. George Herbert Walker Bush's wife uh, had been a major donor to and, and supporter of Planned Parenthood, as was George W. Uh, George H. W. Bush. In fact, they called him Rubbers because he was he, he he used it. George Herbert Walker Bush, when he was in Congress, was a big advocate for everybody having access to birth control. But they cut this deal with the religious right, with the TV preachers, basically, to, you know, you'll pitch Republican candidates on TV as part of your religious services, and in exchange, we will work to outlaw abortion. 
This has been a 43-year project. So it's not, like I said, it's not just the Catholics, but the Catholic Church is extraordinarily wealthy. But why are any of them allowed to pour money into politics? Do you think that there might be enough backlash to this that Congress might consider amending the rules by which the IRS operates to get political money out of religious hands or do away with tax exemptions, one or the other? I'm all in favor of both, frankly. I think that monasteries should be tax exempt and that's it. Just wanted to share with you some interesting thoughts here. Number one, when your friends say this committee isn't fair, this is, by the way, a post from Kate Pete over on Democratic Underground. When your friends say this committee isn't fair, maybe remind them that those testifying are all Republicans appointed by Trump, that Kevin McCarthy got a fair deal on a split commission and then took his ball and went home. It, I, I think most, most Americans are unaware of this, and it needs to be repeated. You know, typically people, it's the, the, the rule from advertising is people don't even realize that they've heard something until they've heard it the seventh time. Uh, and, 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 they, and they don't feel motivated until they've heard it the 10th or 15th time. But uh, Kevin McCarthy, you know, the original proposal that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer put forward was that there be a bicameral commission just like the 9-11 commission, that it have senators and members of the House that it'd be 50% Republicans and 50% Democrats from both bodies, and that, you know, it'd meet publicly, as, as has been, been happening. And, and uh, Mitch McConnell said, no, we won't give you any senators. And Kevin McCarthy said, no, we won't give you any Republicans. Well, actually, what happened was then, then Kevin McCarthy said, okay, fine, I'll give you a bunch of Republicans who are part of the conspiracy. We want to put Jim Jordan on this thing. And I, I don't recall the rest of them. I, I, I don't remember if it was Matt Gates or not, but there, there were you know, several people, that Kevin, two specifically anyway, that Kevin McCarthy proposed. And, and you know, the committee just said, no, we're not going to put people on the committee who are going to be subjects of our investigation. That just would not be right. And so McCarthy said, okay, screw it. No more Republicans. And Kinzinger and, and Cheney said, we'll volunteer. And the people running the committee, Benny Thompson, said, cool, I'll take you. But Kevin McCarthy didn't want there to be any Republicans on the committee because he wanted it to be viewed as illegitimate. This was the entire Republican strategy, was to portray this committee as an illegitimate committee that had no right, because it was not bipartisan, to be looking into the actions of January 6th. They're looking into the actions of the president of the United States, a Republican president. And uh, Kevin pulled his remaining three members after two who had fomented the insurrection were allowed to stay on. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that. Uh, McCarthy said, he called it a brilliant move, by the way. Remember that? He said, yeah, I pulled those people off. It's gonna be a brilliant move. Uh, and then, you know, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger said, no, nah, we'll, we'll go along with it. And now they're trying to discredit everyone, but all the people that they're trying to discredit are Republicans. I mean, you know, I, I, long-term Republicans, long-time Republicans, hardcore Republicans. But when Congress wanted to subpoena members of the administration, and this is before 9-11, this is before any of this stuff, Pat Cipollone said, no, do not go along with Congress. They are bluffing. They will not prosecute you. And sure enough, they were bluffing. They didn't prosecute. I'm talking about 
you know, investigating the Trump administration corruption of the Environmental Protection Agency, investigating the Trump corruption of the Department of Interior, investigating the Trump corruption of the IRS. Every single one of those things, they subpoenaed people from the White House. Every single one of them, people in the White House said, no, I ain't going to go. And every single one of them, the Democrats backed it down. And that was Pat Cipollone who was driving that. So you're going to now come tell me that Pat Cipollone is, is somehow a partisan Democrat? I don't think so. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back. So how can municipalities, how can smaller segments or government fight back against state laws seeking to ban abortion and, and diminish the rights of women and voters? The uh, a, uh, Jose Chito Vela, a member of the city council with the city of Austin, Texas District 4, uh, prior to his election, he was an immigration and criminal defense lawyer. Uh, AustinTexas.gov slash department slash district dash four and on Twitter, M, excuse me, C.M. Chitovella, C-H-I-T-O-V-E-L-A, is on the line with us. Uh, Chito, uh, Councilman uh, Vella, welcome to the program. Tell us about what you're doing in Austin to, to fight back against these uh, bizarre laws like the one that you now have in Texas. Thank you for uh, for having me, and uh, we're doing everything we can in Austin, the uh, Texas. As uh, I'm sure your uh, you and your listeners are well aware, uh, has a trigger ban that uh, makes uh, uh, an, uh, someone performing an abortion uh, punishable as a felony up to 99 years. That's unacceptable here in Austin. And uh, Thursday, we're going to debate a resolution that uh, I authored that would essentially decriminalize abortion in Austin, Texas. Um, it, it would do uh, two things. The, the first would be to uh, make any kind of alleged abortion crime the lowest level priority for our police department. In other words, we want them to just really kind of put those at the bottom of the stack in terms of investigation and prioritize basically all other uh, crimes. And the second would be to prohibit the use of city funds for any type of collection of data, any, I don't want any abortion databases, I don't want any, you know, abortion crimes task forces, you know, nothing like that. You know, the, the, we can't 
legalize abortion in Austin. We don't have that power. Uh, we can't really go head to head with the state, but we do control our own budget and we can reflect our local attitudes and, and vision about what we want criminal justice to be in Austin and, and say, look, we do not want people arrested or investigated for abortion crimes in, in Austin. So I get it that you've got you know, state supremacy, essentially, with regard to, like you said, you can't decriminalize abortion, but you can control your budget. You can decide, you know, what your police are going to look into. And, and presumably, uh, do you have control over your, over your uh, uh, prosecuting attorney? So the uh, district attorney is elected by the county government, Travis County, here in Austin. But Austin is probably 70 percent of the population. It's the dominant city in the county by far. Uh, thankfully, our the Travis County District Attorney, uh, Jose Garza, is uh, completely supportive. And he has also uh, said that he does not intend to prosecute uh, any kind of abortion-related crimes uh, here in uh, Austin, Travis County. Uh, so really, on both levels, from a county government perspective and from the city government perspective, we are strongly standing in support of abortion rights, in support of uh, reproductive rights. Are you hearing from your Republican colleagues or Republicans at the state level that they have plans to uh, go after you or get around this in some way? So thankfully, you know, and, and when we were, uh, my, my, my staff and I, when the Roe v. Wade uh, leak decision first came out, you know, we were kind of, what can we do? What can we do in preparation? And, and, and we drafted the Grace Act, uh, guaranteeing the right to abortion care for everyone. Uh, uh, and multiple places have passed it now. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, we were communicating, we we're in communications with them and they passed essentially an identical copy of the ordinance. Uh, Denton, Texas, in, in outside of Dallas has passed it. Uh, San Antonio has it on the agenda. Uh, so the state is dealing with, you know, a real uh, upsurge in discontent uh, with regard to the uh, abortion, criminalizing abortion in Texas. Remembering too that uh, Texas is a state where 17 is the age that you must be to be prosecuted as an adult. So, you know, potentially there's 17 year old girls that could be uh, subject to horrendous penalties uh, for having uh, an abortion in, in, in Texas. Now, uh, most states are going out of their, or at least most Republicans in most states that are controlled by Republicans are going out of their way to say, oh, we'll never prosecute the women. We're just going to go after the doctors and the husbands and the friends and the, and the associates and the, maybe the Uber driver who took them to the clinic. Um, you're saying that the, the, this new Texas law actually can throw a woman in prison for years for having an abortion? So I am a criminal defense attorney, and let me give you my kind of quick take on it. This is all evolving. You know, so there's just so many questions out there about what exactly does this law mean? But so the trigger ban would, which is not in effect yet, but it will be soon, uh, makes it uh, illegal to perform an abortion punishable by up to 99 years in jail. Uh, it, it uses a passive voice, though. And so what about a self-managed abortion? What about a woman who performs her own abortion? Is that person subject to prosecution? The quick answer would be no. But there is no exception. That does not, that's not explicitly stated in the law. And everybody was like, oh, no, that's not the intent. That's not the intent. Well, then why isn't there a clear statement that, you know, the, the woman receiving the abortion uh, shall not be prosecuted? It would have been very easy to put that in there. It's not in there. And its absence, to me, speaks volumes. In addition, 
Texas has pre-Roe v. Wade statutes uh, uh, that criminalize abortion that date back to, I think, the 1920s. Uh, that obviously 1973, those were kind of uh, uh, unconstitutional and have not been used, but they're still out there. And the Texas Attorney General thinks they're valid. And my understanding of those is that they do allow for the prosecution of a woman who has an abortion in addition to a doctor or, or some other person that performs an abortion. So I think we're looking at it potentially kind of a worst case scenario here in, in Texas in terms of very broad liability uh, for uh, uh, abortion, both on the you know doctor person performing it and potentially on the on the person uh, uh, receiving the abortion. And that, would, and that would presumably be in effect whether she got uh, abortion pills from out of state or whether she left the state to get an abortion in another state, comes back home and then Texas can prosecute her. These are all brand new legal questions that are uh, we're all trying to wrap our heads around. But my the the political leadership of the state, I believe that the consensus answer would be yes. Uh, I, as an attorney, I don't understand how Texas can make illegal a drug that the federal government through the Federal Drug Act has permitted and allowed. Uh, I mean, there's not a clear interstate kind of commerce. Again, I'm not going to get into the Supreme Court analysis, but I, that to me would be a revolutionary uh, a concept in the state federal relations, especially when we're talking about something that is absolutely, you know, in interstate commerce and should be protected as interstate commerce and subject only to federal regulation. But again, I think we're going to about to learn a lot about jurisdiction and criminal law and, and constitutional powers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're talking with Cheeto Vela, a member of the city council uh, with the city of Austin. It's kind of axiomatic that uh, politicians at the city level are more in touch with their voters than at the state level and at the state level more in touch with their voters than at the at the federal level. I'm I'm curious what you're hearing. What you know? I'm I'm I, I keep going back and forth between thinking that this election this fall is going to be an absolute blowout for Democrats because of uh, the two the, these two big issues that Republicans I think are on the wrong side of that being guns and abortion um, on the one hand and then on the other hand this massive effort to suppress the vote that Republicans are doing in Republican states you know stripping people off voting rolls and things like that and uh, you know just the the normal problem in American uh, uh, voting particularly in, you know, I mean, here in Oregon, we've got everything, everybody votes by mail. We have one of the highest voter participation rates in the country. But in, in most states, and I'm guessing Texas is, you know, not an exception to that, there's a lot of voter apathy. What, what do you, what's your sense of what's going on? What are you hearing from your constituents? I am hearing a lot of anger and frustration. Uh, a lot of the the initiative for you know decriminalizing abortion here locally is because people want action. Uh, you know they don't just want you know thoughts and prayers. You know they they want actual action. Uh, they want us to push as much as we can here on the local level. You know. Texas, it's very interesting. Some polls have come out recently uh, with uh, Beto O'Rourke um, decently close to Greg Abbott. And just to give you some context, you know, Greg Abbott ran against Wendy Davis in 2014 and won by 21 percent. Uh, Greg Abbott ran against uh, Lupe Valdez uh, in 2018 and won by about, I think, 13 or 14 percent. Uh, and now Beto O'Rourke has about a 5 percent gap with Abbott. And you can feel 
the momentum shifting, I think, as, and there's a lot of problems in Texas. You know, obviously the guns, the Uvalde massacre and the news that continues to just drip, drip, drip out of there has been heartbreaking, but just, I mean, political just led for Governor Abbott and the Department of Public Safety troopers that were part of the response. Uh, And you can feel independence in particular giving Beto O'Rourke another look. You know, we're not there yet. I'm not going to say like, you know, but but I think the door is starting to crack open a little bit. I think Beto has to run a perfect campaign and be an absolutely excellent candidate. But I think the door is starting to crack open in a way that I have not seen. And I've been involved in politics since. Great news. Cheeto Vela, council member, city council member of the city of Austin on Twitter, CM Cheeto Vela. Cheeto, thanks so much for dropping by. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Idaho's Republican Party just changed their platform. I got to tell you about that after the break. Stick around. So the Idaho Republican Party, I think it was over the weekend, had their meeting and came up with their platform as they go into this fall's elections. Every party, every, you know, Democrats and Republicans, uh, Greens, Libertarians, political parties do this. They come up with party platforms. These are statements of values and they are statements of intention. You know, what we will do if we gain power. And the Idaho Republicans at their state GOP convention in Twin Falls approved a change to their party platform that says we are, we are supporting an absolute ban on all abortions, including abortions done to save the life of the mother. Now, you may think that they were saying this because they're worried that, you know, some women are going to go to a gynecologist and say, uh, I might commit suicide if I don't get an abortion. And so to save her life, they'll do an abortion. But no, that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is that if a doctor has to choose between mom or the, or the offspring, it's always going to be the offspring. Let mom die if that's what it takes to bring a baby to term. Uh, Scott Herndon, who is uh, running unopposed for a state Senate seat, proposed this amendment, which was passed, keep in mind, this passed. This is now the official policy of the Republican Party of Idaho. And when he was asked about it, he said, we will never win this human rights issue, the greatest of our time, if we make allowances for the intentional killing of another human being. Now, he is defining a six-week-old zygote the size of a grain of rice as a human being. And uh, it's just, what do you do do with this? I mean, this is, in, in April, Governor Brad Little, the Republican governor of the state, signed another law that bans abortions after six weeks and allows any private citizen to, to file lawsuits against abortion providers. This is heating up. This is heating up aggressively, rapidly. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out. So picking up your phone calls, Elaine in Chicago. Hey, Elaine, what's up? Hey, Tom, I'm thinking about the governor of Idaho, and Butch. does he base, this, you know, the, that women should die rather than the fetuses, mm-hmm. and is that based on his religious beliefs? Well, the governor didn't weigh in on this. He, he has signed a, a, a law, but it, this was the entire Republican Party of Idaho, and I don't know that they justified it with religion. Maybe they just justified it by, you know, hating on women. I don't know. 
but what else would they justify it with? And if so, there's right. the people with other religious views. I think there's a, there's right a fetus fetish them. here. But I, it's, it's connected to the Christian religion. Uh, not all Christians, of course. Yeah. No, it's, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to justify it with religion, but it's, I just find it bizarre to say we're going to ban all abortions, even those that would prevent a, a mother from dying. I just can't imagine you know, if some politician... Well, I think it's, I, I have another idea. I think it's, it's homicide because they know and... Yeah. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Thanks, Elaine. We'll be right back. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Bob, what's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, some guy that I work with is making a statement that we allowed abortions up to nine months. And I've heard that before. Is there any recorded record of such a thing other than maybe a dead baby? There, there was a, an, a doctor who was convicted and is serving a long prison sentence for aborting third trimester babies in some eastern city some years ago. But uh, no, in every state in the union, abortions after viability largely don't exist unless there's some wild complication where it's going to it's going to threaten the life of the mother there is no such thing i heard the you know i hear the same thing you hear it from republicans in fact i've got a clip of liz cheney saying the democrats want to abort babies up to the ninth month and sometimes even after birth and yeah. uh, it's just a it's just a plain old flat out lie pure and simple well thank you Tom. yeah you're I appreciate welcome. your help yep that. thank you bob Catherine in phoenix hey Catherine, what's on your mind today Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. And it was so wonderful to hear Malcolm. I've been listening to Malcolm for a long time. Anyway, here's what I want to bring up um, about the abortion issue. I did a, uh, I completed a one-year internship at Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia many, many decades ago, and it's really horrible to see what's going on. But here's what my question is. 
I don't understand why the American Medical Association has not come out very strongly in support of physicians, number one. And number two, it would seem to me that there should be lawsuits being waged against politicians for pra- attempting to practice medicine without a license. We're restricting a healthcare procedure based on what? And there's no other medical procedure that is restricted other than euthanasia in, in most and a lot of states. Even insurance companies don't restrict. They can say, no, we're not going to pay, but they can't say, no, you can't have that procedure. So it would seem to me that a couple things need to happen. One, there needs to be massive class action lawsuits on the behalf of women in the United States against these politicians. And, you know, you know, you know, it's crystal fascism. It's it's misogyny. They want to control women. And they're always white male Republicans. So it would seem to me that class action and individual lawsuits against state legislators who were doing this, governors, et cetera, needs to start. And I don't know where the the well, you know, the um, the uh, lawyers association is only just a, a membership. But in terms of the American Medical Association, the ACLU, these are inhumane actions, but they are being committed by people who are practicing medicine without a license. What do you think? I, I think that's an argument that would be really interesting to test in a court of law. I mean, uh, legislators pass laws regulating the practice of medicine with some regularity. For example, opiates, you know, uh, going after doctors who overprescribe opiates. Um, I, I realize it's not a surgical procedure, but but I'm guessing right, that there right, are. Yeah, yeah but I'm talking others. about procedures, procedures, right. medical procedures. Right. I, you know, I, I, I would like to see it tested. I, and, and I am hopeful. I hope that, you know, Planned Parenthood and, and NARAL and some of these other organizations, NARAL has been like largely dead for a decade and a half or so. And, oh, and, and, yeah. Yeah. And I understand that they're, they're starting to make a comeback. I, I would like to see some of these organizations carrying these things forward and testing these things in courts because I, I think you're onto something, Catherine. Whether it'll work or not, I just don't have a clue. But you try everything you possibly can, and we've got to begin. Catherine, thank you for the call. Joe in Kent, Washington. Hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, my first call to your show. Thank you for enlightening me to the ways of the world. And I wanted to cry, but I'm too damn angry to cry. Yeah. Just to say I lived in the pre-Roe versus Wade in the 60s. I grew up, and, and this is just makes me sick. And I have two things. Number one, why don't we... Since the father is half the baby, why don't why isn't the father complicit in all of this? And why doesn't why don't we criminalize him? An absurd thing. But then again, I'm assuming, Joe, that this is a rhetorical question <laughs> because it, it seems fairly obvious to me that this is about controlling women. I mean, if 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 the, if the Idaho Republican Party is saying that if you have a choice between saving the fetus or mom, save the fetus and let mom die. The, the only reason right. that comes to my mind why they would say that is because mom is definitely a woman and the fetus is 50-50 chance of being a man. Yeah, you know. Your, your phone is breaking up, Joe. I, I, we've, we've lost you. I'm sorry. Your phone is, uh-huh. is gone. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll continue the conversation another time. Ted in Ames, Iowa. Hey, Ted, what's on your mind today? Yes, sir. I was just wondering about your opinion. And, and by the way, your show's great. And all the people that take calls are, are phenomenal. Thank Appreciate you. everything you guys do. Enlightenment is a, is the way to, work, to help the world. And also Joe Manchin and uh, the climate stuff. I really, really have a hard time thinking that there's anything else more important 
than climate. If we, <laughs> we're burning up. I mean, it, we're having drought after drought after drought, and uh, that dust bowl's coming. And yeah. uh, who knows and when and how and how big. And if we don't look up, quote, uh, yeah, we don't look up, uh, it's going to be the end. And, and all this other stuff yeah, we're to, talking about. To paraphrase DiCaprio's goes, movie. Goes, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Although you can't get change on climate. Um, you can't get forward motion on doing something about climate without engaging the political process. So, you right. know, sometimes to get to a goal, you've got to set a, 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 a preliminary goal. And that preliminary goal has to be to get enough senators that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, these two yes, sellouts, vote, vote, vote. Uh, you know, that their votes become irrelevant. So, yeah, yes. Ted, I, Ted, I totally get it. But that's, that's step one in my mind. Thank you for the call. June in Knoxville, Iowa. Hey, June, what's on your mind today? Uh, <laughs> I got on just as I'm about to plug in my my phone. Anyway, um, the reason I'm calling is that I love Joe Biden, but I really think that he has become a human pacifier. I know he's got a lot of experience and he's worked well with people all these years. But, you know, Joe Manchin's name keeps coming up. In fact, when it was, this kind of came to me the other day when you were talking about Joe Biden and it came out Joe Manchin and then you changed it and yeah. corrected yourself. And this is what those people want. I still remember the name of Bill Clinton's uh, mistress. I mean, those names you want to forget, those names yes. you don't want to talk about. It seems like they, you know, they they're so sociopathic. They want the money. They want the name recognition. And Joe doesn't seem, you know, he keeps. But he and Joe, and Joe Manchin are friends. This man's totally taken advantage of that friendship yes. and doing everything that he can to destroy him. I so, agree. I don't know. I agree. I don't. I don't think. By the way, for the record, I don't think that Monica Lewinsky uh, ever wanted the kind of publicity <laughs> that she got. And oh heavens, no. no, 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 no. But those. It's just that those names that of negative things seem to stick with us. Mm. And I really hate to see them getting all the recognition and all of the time that people are talking about them when all they're doing is they're they should be kicked out of the Democratic Party. I know they can't do that, but I don't know why they haven't done more to try to. Um, well, you know, Robert Reich, we talked about this briefly yesterday. Robert Reich has come out and said, strip Joe Manchin of his committee assignments. He's in charge of the, yes. of the Natural Resources yes. Committee, which is insane. And, uh, you know, strip yeah. him of his uh, of his committee assignments and, uh, you know, let him choose. And if he chooses to become a Republican, like like his uh, uh, the guy who followed him as governor of, uh, you know, Manchin used to be governor of West Virginia. The new governor is Jim Justice. And he was elected as a Democrat. And then he became a Republican when Trump came into office. Um, you know, fine. If Joe Manchin decides that he's going to become a Republican and we lose control of the Senate, uh, you know, we don't have control of the Senate right now anyway. You know, it's, no. it's like you know, the, the, the right wing billionaires have control of the Senate through their proxies, Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Sinema. So, you know, exactly. and, and, and not only that, Democrats are running on a platform this fall of give us a couple more senators so that we can get the good stuff done. And Americans are looking at this going, hey, you've got the House, the Senate and the White House and you're not doing a damn thing. Screw you. And we need to be yeah. saying, OK, we don't have the Senate anymore. I think, frankly, there's an advantage to Democrats going into November not controlling the Senate, and and uh, you know, broadly speaking. And I'm I, I was afraid before. Uh, afraid is maybe too strong a word, but I was concerned that if Joe Manchin left and we lost control of the Senate, that that would be a bad thing. I don't I don't right. longer feel that way. I you know, Robert Reich no. uh, changed my mind on this. 
God yes. bless him. Yes, it's, and, it's and time I think to he's right. stand up to them. I, I yeah. agree. I absolutely agree. And uh, being from a red state where this is all following Trump's lead, we need to fight, Joe. We need to get in there and get some ideas of our own yeah. that'll turn things the other way. Thanks so much you. for taking my call. Thank you, Love June. You. Yep, thank you. I actually am starting to feel quite optimistic. We have, you know, for, for 40 years now, the Republican Party has been running around trying to end Roe v. Wade, and nobody took them seriously, right? They've been talking about it, the, you know, out loud. They've, been, they've, they've tried all kinds of things, but nothing worked until finally they got Trump and they stacked the Supreme Court. And now they've got it. They're the dog that caught the, the car by the bumper. And, and I think this car is going to drag them down the road. I, I really do. I, uh, I, I am seeing, I mean, just on, on my Twitter feed, I'm seeing women enraged. And, and not just women, obviously, you know, the, the allies of women as well, the, the male allies out there. But I am seeing a, a level of outrage that I don't, frankly, recall since the Vietnam War. I mean, you know, during Vietnam, there were those of us who were out in the streets and were willing to confront the police and go to jail and leave the country, for that matter. Um, we're at that point again. And that war took down Lyndon Johnson. It took down Hubert Humphrey. It made Richard Nixon president. And, and uh, you know, I, and, and it was a big boost, frankly, to the Republican Party, even though the, the war arguably had started, you know, was started uh, in, in, or set up, shall we say, by the Nixon-Eisenhower presidency. But that's kind of a, an, another discussion. But I'm seeing this level of outrage around this abortion issue that I don't think is going to go away. In fact, I, it seems to me like it's amplifying and with every new news story about another woman who had, you know, you had this woman in Wisconsin who was bleeding for 10 days. They had her in the hospital bleeding out for 10 days after a miscarriage because the doctor and the hospital, their lawyers advised them that if they tried to remove that tissue at what was called an abortion, and they would all be liable to massive fines, they could be sued, people could go to jail. And so it took 10 days, to the, and she lost a couple of liters of blood. She had to have transfusions. Uh, a similar story down in Texas where a woman with a dead, a dead uh, fetus. I mean, th these stories are happening, and they're getting publicity. The 10-year-old rape victim in, in uh, Ohio who had to flee to Indiana in order to get an abortion. Um, these stories are happening, and there's more coming. I mean, this, it, we, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And the fact of the matter is that most of the stories like these, we're not hearing about. Because most women don't want to go out into the, into, the, into the world and wave a flag over their heads that draws the ire of all the trolls on the, on the internet and, and might even have you know, armed men show up at their front door uh, by saying, yeah, I just, I just had a, a miscarriage and I, I'm in, in terrible shape because they wouldn't treat me appropriately or, or you know, et cetera. Most women don't want to be the poster child of this. They would just rather just get on with their lives. Miscarriages, abortions, all, dead baby, all, or, or embryos or fetuses, all of these things are very personal tragedies, essentially, or very personal issues. So, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like mice, you know, C1 count 10. It's probably more like C1 count 100. So number one, abortion. Number two, we're up to our eyeballs in blood. 
We had 50,000 gun deaths in the United States last year. You know how many people were killed with guns in Japan this year? One, Shinzo Abe. And it wasn't even a real gun. It was a homemade gun. We're the only country in the world that has this problem. So number two, you know, Democrats are like, hey, let's do something about this. Let's get some reasonable gun control. And the Republicans are like, no way, no way. We, you know, we're making millions in the contributions from the weapons industry. We, that's our brand. Our brand is guns. Marjorie Taylor Greene justified her no vote on legislation that would have codified the right to abortion by saying, oh, you want to protect women in America? Just make sure every woman has a gun. And then number three, the number one issue with people under 30 in the United States and the number two issue with people under 40 is the climate because they're going to inherit this damn thing. And I realize that it typically is not listed as one of the top three or even the top five issues when you do large surveys, but that's because most of these large surveys are heavily weighted toward boomers and Gen Xers. You know, the bottom line is, I think that if the Democratic Party runs and every Democratic candidate runs on just three simple issues, abortion, guns, and climate, there's going to be an absolute blowout. And if we can take a serious majority in the House and Senate in this election, and we can pass something like the For the People Act that guts the Citizens United decision and puts back into place those laws that we got going all the way back to, to 1905, the Tillman Act, 1907, I guess it was, the Tillman Act, uh, you know, which made it a federal felony for a corporation to give money to any candidate for federal office. That law is still on the books. The Supreme Court essentially struck it down, but hey, we could strike down the Supreme Court's ruling by legislation. Then I think that we might be able to get our democracy back. It all hinges on this election. So make sure you are registered to vote. Make sure everybody you know is registered to vote. And if you live in a Republican controlled state, Make sure that you double check your registration every week or two because they are purging voters. They're going to purge several million voters this year, just like they do every election year. And they, and they mostly purge black and Hispanic voters but, and, 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 uh, and, and voters in, in cities because those are Democratic strongholds. That's where the purges almost exclusively take place. And the Supreme Court legalized this in 2018. In, in Ohio, the, the governor of Ohio and the secretary of state of Ohio had been sending out postcards to people in black neighborhoods. And the postcards said, if you don't return this postcard, we're going to take you off the voting rolls. And the NAACP sued. They took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, no, it's fine. They can do that. And so they're still doing it. And not just in Ohio. Every Republican-controlled state in America is doing everything they can right now to purge Democratic voters off their voting rolls. So get ready. But I don't think they can stop this tsunami. I don't think they can stop it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. John in West Alia, Wisconsin. Am I saying it right? Alice. Alice. Oh, there we go. So what's up, John? So what's up is this. I just want to remind people it is absolutely critical that you check your voter registration. Yep. I have been voting from the same place every single election primary and uh, you know full election since 2004. Same address. Haven't changed the address. Last spring's primary in Wisconsin my name had disappeared from the voter roll, so I had to re-register. Now, I checked a couple of weeks before the primary and re-registered and got on. I thought, okay, it's some kind of a glitch. Um, I got on, again, the voter site, uh, myvote.wi.gov, and uh, checked my registration again for August primary in Wisconsin. Guess what happened? I was gone again. Wow. Now, West Dallas is in a very heavily gerrymandered district. Um, it crosses three county lines, I believe. And uh, uh, West Dallas, is, is this particular part of the district, is just coincidentally pretty heavily Democratic. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So be I- sure you check your registration. We've got same-day registration in Wisconsin. That's not true in every uh, state in the union. And uh, make sure you're registered uh, so you don't have any problems when you actually go to vote. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, John, for, for testifying. I, I appreciate it. Sandy in uh, Norwood, North Carolina. Hey, Sandy, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I was watching Morning Joe this morning, and there was a woman on there, and I didn't I missed her name. I just got in the beginning of it, almost the beginning, and she, I, she was from Planned Parenthood. And she was saying, and I was expecting this any time, that after the decision of Roe, women are coming in like crazy going for sterilization. Yeah. She said I've, it I've is read up that 120%. Also. From what it was. And, vasectomy, and men are, men are getting vasectomies, too. As, they're almost up, you know, that far too. Vasectomies are. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. And they're they're doing it because they know contraception's next on the hit list. I agree. And they said, well, you know, if we don't get this done, we won't be able to get contraceptives either, and we'll be in trouble. So we might as well just go ahead and get it done. Yeah. I I you know? I totally get it. And uh, and I've seen those numbers. Um, and so yeah, it, it, things are changing in America. And, uh, and, and frankly, in my opinion, not for the better. Um, that, no, I think all this is going to backfire on the Republicans because they want more babies. And now these women are getting sterilized. They're not going to get those babies they wanted, you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there, there was one thing I wanted to say. CNN had a special on Steve Bannon Sunday called Divided We Fall. Yeah, I watched it's part gonna of it. Air, it's going to air again. Please watch it. Tonight? Have everybody watch it. It's scary. Is it going to air again tonight or... or? Friday night, Friday 9 night. o'clock Eastern time. Okay, great. I guess that would be 6 your time, right? Okay, yeah, it would be. Thank you. Thank you for that, yeah, Sandy. I'll, I'll watch, keep an eye out. everybody to watch that. That is downright scary. Okay, I'll keep an It'll eye out for it. take your breath away. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sandy. Nancy in uh, Chihuahua, Chihuahua, Washington. Hey, Chihuahua, you got Chihuahua. it. Yeah, what's up? Yes. 
On the abortion issue, I was a child of a woman that had wanted an abortion. And when she was happy with me, she was the best mom in the world. But when she got angry when I was little, it was like I should have had an abortion. Oh, no. uh, She'd say, I wish you were never born. And then when I got older, she'd say, I should have had an abortion. And she should have. She was mentally unstable. My father was an alcoholic. I wound up in the system with institutions, with other kids that were born in the 60s that led terrible lives. I was only in there for 14 months. They were in there for years, I mean, from the time they were little, because they weren't wanted. And, you know, the little white babies, healthy white babies get adopted, but all the other kids, they wound up in institutions. And that's where we're headed again. Only the little white babies will be adopted. And, you know, kids that, you know, are unwanted will wind up, they, they foster care isn't going to be able to handle them all. Yeah. I, uh, and they're going to wind up institutionalized. And, you know, if you tried to kill me, I would fight for my life. I'm not suicidal. I don't believe in eugenics. But if you ask me, should my parents have had an abortion? I am like, absolutely. You know, a soul cannot be destroyed. So if my soul was put it there, I'd be put into some other baby or grow up on the other side or in the ether. But they should not have had children. Yeah, what a heartbreaking story. Nancy, thank you for sharing that with us. I, I, I appreciate it. Anita in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Anita, what's up? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I don't think, um, just real quick, I don't think that the um, banning abortion has anything to do with um, just having more white babies. And the reason why I say that is because white women would probably have still have more access to abortion than women of color. Right, and birth control. Right. So I just, I think it's more... But see, you're living in the reality-based world, Anita. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I... I think these many of these no, people are living in a fantasy world. Women. I think they want to establish a theocracy, yeah. a patriarchal theocracy, and they want to control women. Yeah. And um, I want to talk about how dangerous it is to be pregnant in the state of Texas. And, of course, we heard in the state of Idaho, of course, mm-hmm. because if you're pregnant, you don't know what the outcome will be. Right. So you could, uh, we have an attorney general that's fighting to let you die right now. Because Biden signed that executive order telling, you know, doctors that they could, you know, even in these states where they banned abortion, that they can, you know, they need to save a woman's life. They need to put the woman's life ahead of the the, uh, the fetus. And Ken Paxton, our attorney general, is fighting to let these women die. So a, a woman, I'm scared to death for, like, my daughter. Yeah. My daughter to be pregnant in the state of Texas. I would want her to leave. Yeah. Even if she wanted to have that baby. You know, we don't know what the outcome will be. If she ends up, you know, in an emergency situation, I want her to live. I want the doctor to pick her, her life. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. It's it, it's just hard to it's, fathom where these guys, really why scary. why these people are going this far and, and how it's going to, uh, how this is going to play out politically. I, I, I just, it's shocking to me, frankly. It's, it's, it's frightening. I mean, and this is, you know, there are masks. You know, we've been saying this for a while. They, you know, and they've been trying to hide the fact, you know, that this is what they really want. Yeah. They want women to die rather than, you know, 
allow them to make that choice or allow even, you know, um, to have any kind of control over their body, even if they're raped. Yep. So but even if they're know, 10 they years old to... and they're raped. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I, you know, I, I've heard it. Uh, Anita, thank you. Because thanks. Thanks for weighing in on this. And uh, phew, tough times, eh? Thank you. Sonia in uh, Savannah, Tennessee. Hey, Sonia, what's on your mind today? Uh, yeah, I wanted to say, I wanted to find out why am I not the lead story? An American woman should be the lead story on every newscast. Don't you, Tom? But this morning when I turned on Good Morning America on ABC News, the lead story was the weather. When I turned on CNN, the lead story was Bannon and his trial. Why am I, the American woman, not the lead story every newscast? The lead story needs to be women in this country. We are dying in this country. Abortion is not just about not having a baby. It's also a medical procedure. When the life of the woman is in danger, there are women dying right now while we're talking on this phone because they need an abortion and they can't get one. Their doctor won't give them one because he's afraid he'll go to jail for helping a woman who has miscarried and the baby's already dead. Why are we not the lead story? Why is the weather and Bannon and the Ukraine the lead story and not women? My body is not my own anymore, Tom. The government owns my body. It's not okay. And I just want to scream and I want to know why I'm not the lead story every day on every news channel. That The other lady that called in who said her mother should have aborted her, I'm a social worker. I work. I see what happens when children are born to mothers who don't want them or can't care for them. They are abused. There is no horror movie that you've ever seen. There's no gore you've ever seen that begins to describe what these children go through because they're not wanted from the beginning. And these Republicans are making these women bear these children, are making children bear children. Everybody who is so-called pro-life needs to have a foster child in their home right now. Every senator who voted to take away my right to control my body, they need to have a foster child. Every senator who voted for this, and that's all I have to say. Well, Thank you. You said it very well, Sonia. Thank you. And I, and I think that your, your uh, passion and your issue is being reflected all across America, and it's one of the reasons that I think this election is going to be wild this fall. I really, really do. Uh, Sonia, thank you so much for the call and, and, and for, for being so crystal clear on that. I'm down to the last 30 seconds here. I, uh, Peggy in Newburgh, Indiana, you want to take those 30 seconds? You want to try? Hey, I'll give it a whirl. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Peggy. You're going to have to call back tomorrow. I didn't even have 30 seconds. I, I'm sorry. My bad. Give us a shout tomorrow. We'll talk. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. Big election coming up. Like the caller earlier said, you know, you got bounced off the voting rolls twice. Twice. Check your voter registration. Republican secretaries of state are doing everything they can to purge voters in Democratic cities and Democratic areas. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Stay safe. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.